All right. Well, hello. It's great to have all of you joining us online. So glad to have you here. Um, again, happy Father's Day to all of you dads. Uh, thank you so much, uh, really, to all men that, that pour into our lives, whether it be uncles or brothers, fathers. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for serving and caring about us in those ways. Uh, again, so have a great day. Hopefully you picked up one of our steaks that we were giving out yesterday, and you're going to enjoy that. Uh, this morning, we are wrapping up our series, Fork in the Road. Um, if you've been here over the last five weeks. Fantastic. You've gotten all of those. If you happen to miss any of our weeks, um, you can jump on our website. You can go to past messages. All of them are there, and you can catch up and uh, catch everything from this Fork in the Road series. Uh, but during this series, what we've been talking about is we've been trying to uncover and discover the answers for how we can know God's will for our lives. How we can know what God's direction is for us. What it is that God wants us to do. Because when we begin to understand that the decisions that we make today will ultimately determine our stories and our destination for tomorrow, we begin to see how important those decisions are. And you and I, we get to determine our own direction, and we get to lean into God and listen to His voice, and through this series, what we're trying to look at is how can we be successful as we make those decisions and as we decide. Because we understand, we begin to recognize the value of each thing that we choose, and we need to see the value of how each decision at the fork in the road can impact the journey of our life. Now this morning, we want to make it more exciting than ever because there are aspects of this morning we don't even know how they're going to go yet because we're going to allow you as a group to determine where different forks in the road happen during this message. You get to decide the opening story that I'm about to tell. Now, let me promise you, both stories are equally entertaining, um, but we need to get us some practice for how we're going to decide uh, throughout the morning, and we'll start with the story that we're about to tell. We've got somebody ready to tabulate your votes. So, we have set up what we're calling this morning the Fork in the Road Hotline. Um, so, this is a number that you need, 425-870-4713. Type that into your messenger, into your phone, text message, whatever. And if you want to help decide the direction that we take at different points in this morning, you're going to need that phone number. So I'm going to give you two options at different points, um, and then you're going to text either A or text B to that number. We're going to quickly tally your vote, uh, and that will determine the direction that we're about to take. So we are at a fork in the road of this particular message, and so you have an opportunity to vote very quickly. There's not going to be a lot of time, so you've got to get on it right away. Um, so decide quickly. So... For the opening story of this morning, do you choose, do you choose A, my attempt to create knee pads, or do you want to go with B, my attempt to create Spanish words? We don't, I have no idea, this is not set up, we don't know, so vote quickly. Uh, A, if you want to know my attempt to create knee pads, B, if you want to hear about my attempt to create Spanish words, uh, we can only give you about 30 seconds, so uh, start texting, start texting, we've got somebody tabulating on the front row. Again, text A if you want A, text B if you want to hear B. We can only give you about 30 seconds. I'm watching a timer. Watching a timer. We're tabulating. We're tabulating. Oh, the, the, they're coming in fast and furious. We're going to give you about five more seconds. Five, four, three, two. I'm seeing the pen is flying on the front row. What do we got? We're going with letter A. We're going with option A, my attempt to create knee pads. When I was in about first grade, maybe second grade, I joined the wrestling team. 
only year that I ever was on the wrestling team, but I joined the wrestling team, and uh, we were coming up on one of our, uh, to one of our matches, and it was going to be on a Saturday, and my parents were going to be out of town, and so I really wanted to be able to go to this match, and so my mom made some arrangements uh, with one of my buddy's families that I would go spend the night Friday night at their house, and then he was on the wrestling team, and so then his parents would take us both to the wrestling match, and, and we would do that, and then my parents would pick me up later that night. So my mom packed me one of her bags, put, put my clothes in it, sent me off to my buddy's house. I went to the wrestling match. I don't even remember how it went. I was terrible at wrestling, probably lost all the matches. Anyway, doesn't matter. My parents pick me up after the wrestling match is over, take me home, and my mom says, so how did the match go? And I was like, oh, it was great. It was fun. We wrestled, and I loved hanging out at my buddy's house. And, but mom, mom, I just want to thank you so much for the knee pads. They really made a difference. And my mom's like, I, I didn't give you any knee pads. And I was like, no, the knee pads, they were really great. And she's like, tell me more about these knee pads. And I was like, they were so incredible, Mom. I found them in the pocket in your bag, and, 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 I, and I, took the po- I took the knee pads out, and they were great because you just peel off the back, and then it was sticky, and I stuck it to my knee, and I peeled off the back of the other one, and I stuck it to my knee, and, and it made the wrestling so much better. And my mom was like, can, can, can you show me those knee pads? And I was like, I still got them on, Mom. I still got them on. And so, so I pulled down my sweatpants, and I showed my mom that I had apparently applied um, some feminine hygiene products to the front of my knees. And my mom said, please, please tell me that you did not take off your sweatpants during the match. Thankfully, I kept my sweatpants on. I don't know why my mom was so embarrassed, um, but... I was trying to invent. It was my early attempts to decide at a fork in the road. I was attempting to make decisions. This was one of my early attempts to pick, to choose when I reached a fork in the road. I didn't have to wear the knee pads, but I chose the knee pads. But oftentimes in our lives, we miss what God calls us to do or what God wants us to do because we choose the fork in the road that's more comfortable rather than taking what God is giving us. So oftentimes, we're willing to play it safe and not go for it. And what we need to realize is that oftentimes, if you and I are going to step into our destiny, if we're going to step into all that God has for us, it oftentimes means we have to step away from our security. If we're going to step towards something new, we oftentimes have to step away from something old. And as I think of the number of people that are watching online and the various places that you are in life, it is not a surprise to me at all to know that that God is directing many of you to decide something new. That through this series, God might be choosing to lead many of you to choose a new path. It it might be that you need to choose to to go back to school. Maybe you need to take another class, or maybe you need to do something. Maybe you were so close, and and God's like, go back to school, or choose this school. It, It might be that God is leading you to start over a relationship that's lost some trust, a relationship that you need to reconnect with. It it maybe, maybe you need to choose to check into rehab. Maybe you've got an addiction and you've tried and you've tried and you can't seem to get over it on your own and you thought you could do it and it's not working and maybe you need to make that decision. Maybe you need to decide and take a new job. Maybe there's a ministry God's looking for you to start. Maybe you need to decide to begin giving financially back to God by donating, by contributing to the church. 
Maybe there's a connect group you need to join. Maybe there's a business you need to start. I don't know what it's going to be, but my guess is that through this series, as we've been talking about different fork-in-the-road moments, God has been choosing or God has been putting on some of your hearts that you need to step towards your destiny and step away from your security. That you need to choose something new and step away from something that's old. You need to take the fork in the road that's different than what you might normally do because God is calling you to that. And so as we wrap up this fork in the road series, I want you to be thinking, I want you to begin thinking about more, not less. I want you to begin considering the impossible, not just the possible. I want to help you begin to see what what needs to happen in your life and what needs to happen in my life is we need to decide to, oh, we've reached another fork in the road moment in this message. So here we go. You need to decide. Will we go with letter A, the word that was originally planned in the message notes, or will we go with letter B, the word that I found when using the thesaurus? Okay, so do you want to go with A, the word originally planned in the message notes, or do you want to go with B, the word that I found when I opened up the thesaurus. So we're going to give you about 30 seconds again. You don't have a lot of time. It's another great fork in the road moment. So start texting. Text A, text B. Which one you want to to have? We got about 15 more seconds. Vote quickly. We're counting the ladies on the front row. The pen is flying. We're seeing them come in. This is so exciting. I don't know if church has ever been more. uh, We've got five more. I think it's been more exciting at some points. Five seconds. We've got five more seconds. She's counting. She's counting. Four, three, two, one. A or B, what are we going to do? The crowd has spoken. The crowd has spoken. We're going to go. I'm going to set this back up. I hope the people on the computers can follow. Here we go. We're going to set this all back up. Here we go. So as we wrap up this fork in the road, I think I was that serious, right? As we wrap up this fork in the road moment, I want us to consider more, not less. I want us to consider the impossible, not just the possible. I want to help you begin to see what needs to happen when you and I decide that we are willing to be patulous to doing something big, to be patulous to doing something big. My hope this morning is that God is giving some of you the faith to choose and to be patulous and take that direction that could truly alter the course of your life. Because a course-altering choice happens when you are patulous and then something big can happen. Now, if you're not, if you don't know what patulous means, don't worry, patulous means to be open. And knowing what God wants to do in your life happens when you and I are willing to be patulous to doing something big. And I know that over the last couple weeks, as we've been looking at all of these different fork-in-the-road ideas, God has been confirming, God has been planting some ideas, and God has plans for some of you, and he's leading you to something new. And if God is leading you to something new, it happens when you and I choose to be patulous and willing to pursue and move forward, that we would be open to something that is big and beyond what we would have thought. And if you and I are patulous to doing something big, what can happen is that can become overwhelming. Even though we know God is calling us to that, even though we've been open to it, even though we've been patulous to that, it can be overwhelming, even when we know it's from God. So what I want to do is I want to look at a story about a guy by the name of Nehemiah in the Old Testament who faced a very big calling. Let me give you a little bit of the backstory to Nehemiah. 
Nehemiah, uh, about 140 years before Nehemiah, God was working with the Israelite people, and he was, God was saying, I want you to obey me, I want you to worship me, and if you obey me, and if you worship me, if you follow me, I will bless you, I will protect you, I will care for you. And the people decided, we'd rather not have your protection, we'd rather not have you care for us, we're not going to obey you, and we're not going to worship you. And, and maybe they never outright said, we don't want to do it, they just didn't. And they didn't obey, and they didn't worship. And so as a result, God said, okay, you want your own way? I will step back. I will remove my blessing. I will remove my protection. And God allowed the Babylonians to come in and destroy the nation and to demolish the cities and demolish what matters. And the Babylonians came in and wiped out the temple and wiped out the wall and burned down most of the city. And God's people were taken into captivity. And now we're about 140 la- 40 years later. 140 years later. I mean, think back 140 years what was going on. I mean, a small group, a remnant, go back to the homeland. And they're attempting to rebuild, but in the process of rebuilding, they're discouraged and they're embarrassed and they're humiliated. They don't have a city wall to protect them and they're trying, but it's not working. Things aren't going anywhere. And the message is coming back to Babylon that that, that nothing is really working, that it's not going well. And and then God gives this man named Nehemiah a big desire, a big idea. Nehemiah was patulous to God giving him something bigger than what he could think would happen. And Nehemiah looks from from Babylon and looks back at the city and is like, that's not okay. This is, this is God's place. These are, these are God's people. Nehemiah's like, I'm not going to allow that to happen anymore. Nehemiah basically said, as long as I'm alive, I'm not going to let this stand. I'm not going to stand for this. And that's what happens in your life. And that's what happens in my life. There's those moments where we look at something and we say, that's not okay. I, I can't let that happen. And when we have a desire to follow Jesus, and when our heart moves to become more and more like him, we start to discover moments where we begin to look at something and we say, that thing can't continue. That can't prevail. Good can't be taken down, and bad can't go on. And we say, something needs to happen in this moment, and someone needs to do something. And we reach a moment where we say, the someone that needs to do something in this moment is me. There's that point where we begin to think, somebody needs to do something, and it might as well be me. Let me tell you how this has looked in the lives of a couple individuals in our church. A gentleman that attended attend Silver Creek struggled for years with, with pornography, and it was an addiction, and he was embarrassed by it, and he was ashamed by it, and he recognized it wasn't what he was supposed to do, and, and he looked around the church, and he didn't have anyone to talk with. He got outside of the church and he began to find some help and he began to battle through and he began to discover freedom from this addiction to pornography. And now God has freed him from that and he's set up things and he's able to keep that at bay. But then because he was patulous to doing something big, he was open to God working in his life, he began to think maybe there are others that are trapped by this this same bondage, by this same addiction. And he said, you know what? Somebody needs to be available for these men to come and talk to if they need help. They need to have a place to go if they're embarrassed. They need to have a place. And he's decided, you know what? That'll be me. I'm available, he said. For those that are struggling, he said, I will be patulous to something big. We had another family that started to recognize the tragedy of so many children within the state of Washington not having good, safe, loving homes. And they said, you know what? Somebody's got to do something. 
And they recognized that they didn't have the ability to take in every kid that was in the foster system, but they decided we can start taking in as many foster kids as we possibly can. And they chose to be patulous to something bigger than themselves. And what's so great about every decision that you and I make that's big, any time that we decide to be patulous, it always starts the same way. Each time that we do something big, it will always start with a decision and a small step. It doesn't always start with something big. It starts something with just something small. And that's what happened to Nehemiah. Nehemiah literally had one of the very first incredible Hulk moments. Nehemiah started to see this situation, and as he noticed, it got worse and worse, and he got more upset, and he got more frustrated, and he got more concerned, and he started to feel like, this can't happen, this can't be this way, and he started to get more intense, and finally he just went Hulk, and he's like, I gotta do something! Oh, that was more Hulk Hogan than the Incredible Hulk. Sorry, I don't have a good uh, Hulk voice. But I did wear green, not on purpose. But there will be a moment where you are going to say, this cannot happen anymore. Somebody needs to do something, and it might as well be me. And in that moment, you make a decision, and you decide you're going to take some action, and you take a small step. And what's interesting is we look at this idea, and we look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the most unlikely guy to rebuild a wall. He was the most incapable person of building a wall. In fact, Nehemiah's job, he was a cupbearer. Now, we don't have a lot of cupbearers these days, but let me tell you this. Cupbearers... They're not into construction. Cupbearers are not general contractors. Basically, Nehemiah's job was to drink wine. That's what he did. He was was a wine drinker. So what would happen is that before the king would take a drink, Nehemiah, the cupbearer, would actually take the wine and take a drink of it. And I know there's a bunch of you that right now are thinking, I like that job. Test quality of wine. I'll take... Okay, before you get too excited, his job was actually testing whether or not there was poison in the cup. So Nehemiah would take a drink, and if he didn't die, then the king would drink the rest of the glass. Literally, Nehemiah is basically, he's a bulletproof vest. he's He's a human shield. Nehemiah is not a likely guy to rebuild a wall, a city wall. But Nehemiah makes a decision that it wasn't okay for the walls of his homeland to be knocked down. It wasn't okay for the disgrace that was happening. He decided, I got to do something. He made a decision to do something, and then he took a small step. Before he did anything with the wall, he took a small step, and he asked God, would you help me? And then he took another small step, and he went and talked to the king. And then he took another small step, and he started to round up some leaders to go with him. And then he just kept taking small step, small step. But it all started with a decision and then a small step. Nehemiah is found about two-thirds of the way through the Bible. If this story is at all interesting to you, go back and read it. It's an amazing story. We don't have time to dive all into all of it. We're going to pick it up right where he's got his leaders. They're all around him, and he starts telling them about what's going to happen. It's in Nehemiah chapter 2. This is what Nehemiah wrote. He said this. He says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, in, are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. The king said, hey, you can have time off and you can have a bunch of lumber. Amazing. Anyway, they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Nehemiah made a decision and then he took a step. He chose to do something big, but it started with a small step. The first step he prayed. 
And then he made another decision, small step, go talk to the king. Which, which is a big deal to talk to the king, except for the king and he hang out every day. And so it kind of, I mean, hey, before I take a drink, can I, got a plan? But he took a small step and he talked to the king. And then he made small steps and he talked to the leaders. And now he's talking to the leaders and all the leaders hear about this and they're like, let's take another step. Let's go build this wall. This is a good work. Let's do it. And now they're all in and they've all decided, let's go rebuild this wall. And so now they take another step and they take another step and they're like, we've got to do this good work. I want to tell you about two big ideas that Jesus has led us to as Silver Creek Family Church. Two things where we said something's got to happen to this and it started small. And you get to decide which of the two I'm going to tell you. Because I don't have time to tell both of them. And both of these, we aren't finished yet. We're still working to continue these. But we started small and God has done something big. So, fork in the road moment for you to decide which option you want to hear about. Do you want to hear about the thing that we're doing that's near A? Or do you want to hear about the option that we're doing that's far B? So A, if you want to hear about what's happening near. B, if you want to hear about what's happening far. I don't know if I got confused there. Use the fork hotline. Use the fork hotline. This is a fork in the road moment in this series where you can hear about one of these two ministries that we're doing that you want to hear about. Sounds like they're they're tabulating, they're, they're, they're writing down. You got about 15 more seconds. A near, B far, A near... Be far. I think we have a slight delay between us and, and the video, so you got to go quick once you see it. Once you see it, are the votes coming in? Votes are coming in. Oh boy, okay, five seconds. Five, four, text fast. Three, two, one. What are we going with? A. We're going A, we're going nearby. Several years ago, we as a church started thinking, you know what, we, we, we need to start figuring out ways that, that we can get into our community. How do we begin reaching into our community and really making a difference? Not just deciding what we think we need to do, but what does our community need us to do? What is missing? And we started recognizing that one of the ways that we could begin to invest in our community would begin to provide something for young moms in the area that needed a place to take their kids. And so we started to invest some money and we started to invest some resources in starting what is known as the indoor play park. And so we've been hosting this for a couple of years, and, and it was working okay. And we had to have, you know, some, some days we'd have maybe five moms and their kids. Some days we wouldn't have any moms. And so it was kind of moving along for the last couple of years, but we're like, God is really calling us to do this. We feel like this is a, a value in our community. Well, at the same time as the play park was happening, we've been doing an egg hunt for m- multiple years. So about four years ago, we had a family that came to the egg hunt. And at the egg hunt, they heard about our play park. And so that next week, the mom, she loaded up her two little kids, and and they came to the play park. And for about a year, off and on, they came to the play park for about a year. And at the end of that year, it was time for another egg hunt. And so they came back to the egg hunt. And then they started coming to the play park again, and they continued coming to the play park. And all of a sudden, they hit this moment in their life where they're like, maybe it's time for us to check church out again. They decided to come to Silver Creek. So they started attending Silver Creek, and they started coming more and more regularly, and actually the husband and wife were both baptized, and just this last year, we brought the mom onto our team, and she's now our play park host, and this mom is so jazzed about the play park, and she started sending out invites and telling people on Facebook about all that was going on with the play park, and literally right before everything got shut down because of COVID, 
the play park was averaging somewhere between 10 and 12 moms every time we opened. We used to have somewhere between zero and five. We were having 10 to 12 people, moms, showing up every, every week and, or every time we were open. All of the kids, the gym was packed. It was amazing. And not only was this mom getting moms there, she was pouring into their lives. One day she was sick. She wasn't there. So, so Elizabeth and I had to come in, and we were the ones that were hosting, and they were all like, where is she? She's connecting with these moms in such amazing ways. And when the play park reopens, it is just going to continue to bless our community. And these moms are hungry for it. And they're, they're getting connected to this incredible mom that's pouring into these ladies. And God is doing something amazing. But it started small. It started by saying we should buy a slide and a teeter-totter. And we started with something small. God was calling us something big. But it always starts small. And it always starts with that first step. We always have to recognize that even though God is calling us to something big, it starts small. And that's not a discouraging thing. Starting small is not a bad thing. In fact, listen to what Nehemiah wrote about starting small. Nehemiah said this. He said, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Everything that we do at Silver Creek, we start small. We say somebody needs to do something to fix that. Let's start small and see if we can take, that, take care of that. And understand, it's not about thinking small. It's about starting small but thinking big. It's about having faith that we can start something small and God is going to work through it. Really, here's what you and I need to embrace for this to work in our lives. It's not about the faith to finish, but we need the faith to start we don't always get all the details. God doesn't always give us all of the plans. He's going to lead us in a direction. He's going to say, head down this way. Take this fork of the road. Take this step. You don't have to have the faith to finish. Just have the faith to start. Just have the faith to begin. And then trust that God will give you the faith to take the next step and the next step. And oftentimes, the greatest challenge to accomplishing what God calls us to do, the thing that prevents us and stops us most of the time, is starting. So oftentimes we'll see a before and after picture. And we love it, but we hate it. We might, we might see an individual that, that, that weighed 300 pounds or whatever, and now we see that's their before picture, and then we see a picture where they, they've managed to lose a bunch of weight, now they weigh 150 pounds, and if you're struggling with weight, you're like, I love it, but I hate it. Or maybe you see somebody buys a house, and it's all beat up, and it's a mess, and it's... You know, and they come in, and they put some work in it, and they fix the place, and they completely transform it. And if you're not a handyman at all, you look at it, and you're like, I love it, but I hate it. I don't know how to, I don't know how to get there. Or maybe you look, at, you look at a patch of dirt full of weeds and full of rocks, and then some person that comes in has a green thumb, and they put a little time in it, too. They give a little focus to it, and it turns into this beautiful flower bed. And you see the beginning, and you see the end, and if you don't know how to do it, you're like, I love it, but I hate it. I don't know how to get there. And what we have to know is to go from there to there, you have to take that beginning first step. And so oftentimes, because we don't know how to go from here all the way to there, we just don't even start. And we get stopped at the start. And maybe this is obvious, but it's so critically important. Understand that you will never, ever, ever finish what you don't start. Never! You literally can't finish it if you don't start. And when you start, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have everything worked out. We were actually listening to a leadership conference. Sorry, people on the notes, this is not in there. You're just going to have to go with it. We were listening to this leadership conference this last week, um, and this guy was talking about how in business, you used to have to have a 10-year plan. 
That was your long-range plan, and you had to have a five-year plan. That was like your mid-range plan. And then your short-term plan was two years. And he was saying that if you have a long-range plan today that is two years out, it's too far out. So we can't even possibly guess what's going to happen in two years. But it doesn't mean we can't start. We can't know everything. We can't have it all worked out. We just have to say, God, what are you leading me to? And now start. And we have to recognize we're going to face obstacles and we're going to face setbacks. There are things that are going to happen that we thought were going to be really, really easy and they're going to be a massive challenge. And then there's, there's going to be things that we think are going to be a really big challenge and they're going to be easy. But once we get started, the idea, the thing that we have to remember is just keep doing what's next. So number one, we decide to be patulous to God doing something big, to what God is leading to. And then the next step is we make a decision, and then we start to take a small step. And then the third thing that we do is we take the next step. And then the thing we do is we take the next step, and we just keep taking those small steps, that next step, that next step, whatever it is. I'm not sure if you've ever climbed any of those huge staircases that you find in the parks down in Seattle. If you've ever been to the Ballard Locks, you've come to those stairs in that park where you go across, you go to the south side of the Ballard Locks and you walk in there, and there's just this massive staircase. And if you stand at the bottom and you look at the top, you're like, (laughs) I'm going to go back to the locks. And you just have to start, and you take one step and another step. And each, long, each, way, each step along the way, the most important step is the next step. And even if we get tired, it's the next step. And so for Nehemiah, he was open to the idea. He was patulous to what God might lead into his life. And then he went to the king, and then he went to the leaders, and then they traveled 850 miles, and then they talked to the workers, and they rallied the crew, and they surveyed the area, and they started the plan, and they started rebuilding, and then they ran into obstacles. Listen to what happens next. It says, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard about it, whoever those guys are, they mocked and ridiculed us. We talked last week that when the Spirit compels us, when it pushes, when it pulls us to do something, we can be certain with uncertainty. We can know that God is calling us to it. We may not know all of the steps. And when we begin to follow those, we can, un- we can predict that there will be resistance. That's what's happening right here. Keep reading. They said, what is this you are doing? They asked, are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. These three guys are like, hey, what are you doing? And Nehemiah's like, I'm just taking the next step. No, no. We're looking at what you're doing. It looks like you're trying to do something new. It looks like you're rebelling against the king. It looks like you're rebelling against the known. It looks like you're rebelling against everything that's ever happened. And he is like, no, no, we're just taking the next step. They're like, no, it, it doesn't look like you know what you're doing. It looks like you're never going to accomplish this thing that you're trying to accomplish. And Nehemiah is like, oh, yeah, but God's going to help us, and we're just going to take the next step. And six years ago, we had no idea what having a sister church was going to look like when we met our friends in El Salvador. We had no idea, and we just keep taking the next step. And we've sent thousands of dollars down there now. We've bought multiple properties. We've helped revamp their entire complex. We've sent multiple trips down there. We had no idea. We just took the next step. Fifteen years ago, there was no idea what our monthly family production fusion was going to look like. We just took the next step. And then we took the next step. 
two years ago, we decided we were going to put a playground on our back property, spend a bunch of money and install a playground, fix up our field, add a fence. We thought, well, maybe, maybe we can provide something for families in our community to come use. Every single day, we will find kids playing on our playground. Every single day, we will find families in the back throwing frisbees, throwing footballs, walking their dogs. Tons of people are here every single week. And the opportunity and what we're trying to create is that we would create a way that people would be comfortable coming onto the campus, that they would be comfortable coming to this place, that a family would become familiar with the fact that we're here. And in that moment, when they hit a spiritual crisis— In that moment when suddenly they recognize they have a desire to find out who Jesus is, Silver Creek can naturally be a place where they turn to find that help. And so then we just keep taking steps. And then we keep taking steps. And now we've started our prayer hotline. It's not the fork hotline. Please do not call that fork hotline with your prayer request. We've created the fork hotline. No, not the fork hotline. A prayer hotline. A prayer line where people in our community can text or call and tell us what's going on in their life and we can pray for them. And out of those prayers, we may be able to help them. If you didn't pick one up yesterday, we've got some yard signs. We're going to make those available. You can put them in your yard. People can see that phone number. It's on the side of our building. It's on the fence next to the playground. But God just keeps promising, prompting us to take the next step. And then another step and then another step. And we don't know what God is going to lead us to. And I don't know what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your mind. But I'm convinced that for some of you, there's been some thought in your mind. There's been this idea that you've been thinking on for so long. And it's time to start. Don't sit on it anymore. It's time to start. Maybe maybe you're like, I I need to lose 20 pounds and I'm struggling with this. Okay, just take the next step. Don't be beat up about the times you've failed in the past. Take the next step. Literally, it might be... Take the next step and take a walk. Take the next step and skip dessert. Take the next step and take the next step and and, and just take the next step and begin to improve your health and feel better. Maybe you need to get out of debt and you're like, I don't know how to get out of debt. It seems too big. Take the next step. Maybe you need to sign up for our financial peace class when it gets available. Maybe you need to take the next step and just start putting some dollars in an emergency fund. Maybe you need to take the next step and maybe don't eat out as often. Don't eat out for fast food. Cook at home. Rice and beans. Save a bunch of money. Take the next step. Stop buying $5 coffee. Take the next step. Sell something on eBay. Take the next step. Take the next step. Take the next step. Take the next step. Look at this amazing quote from St. Francis Assisi. Go ahead and say it. I know you all want to say his name. St. Francis Assisi. St. Francis Assisi said this. He said, start doing what's necessary, then what's possible, then suddenly you are doing the impossible. We never know what's on the other side. We don't always have all the details, but when we step out in obedience, when we take the faith to start, to dream big, but start small, But most of all, start. Most of all, take that step. Begin the process. Take a step and then take another step. Take another step. Take another step. Here's what I want you to get out of all of this. The takeaway that I want you to have this morning is this. I want you to choose to open your heart to the direction God has for you. Open your heart to the direction that God has for you. Allow him to speak into your heart and then take that next step. And every week in your program, we put these next steps in here. Literally for you to take the next step. To think through what it is that God is saying to you and what it is that he's calling you to do. 
And so as you think about this, this fork in the road and the, the paths that you might be taking and what you're facing, what's your next step going to be? Maybe your next step this morning is to identify the big thing God is leading you to do and be open or patulous to his direction. Maybe your next step this week is to take that small step. And so this week, the small step I'll take is, and then write it down. What's that small step? Maybe your next step is simply to commit to doing the next thing, whatever it is. God, you tell me the next thing, I will do it. And maybe your next step is to literally start moving toward the direction that God has laid out for you. Whatever it is, I would just challenge you. I would encourage you to respond to that take the fork in the road that God is directing you to, that thing that's been on your heart, and begin to move towards it. The band's going to come and play one last song in just a minute, but before they do, let's pray. God, this morning, we recognize that in life, there are so many different directions that we can take. There are so many different options. God, would you help us to be open to your leading, to your prompting into our hearts? God, as we look at at that big dream or that big idea that you've given us, God, would you help us to see just that next step and to not be afraid to take that next step and not do that thing that's right in front of us, but to have the faith to start, to trust you, to lean into you, to follow you. God, this morning, help us to recognize that you want to guide us as we reach each of those fork in the road moments. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.